Well, aloha and good morning, everyone. This morning, it's just me, Yenji Denise. Ryan Kalei is out in the field today doing uh, his other job, which is helping the UH men's volleyball team in their celebration. As you know, they are now national champions. Uh, they are doing a trolley ride and other festivities through town today, and the times just didn't align. So while he manages that, I'm managing this, and we have a very important guest this morning. Lori Kahikina, the interim CEO of Heart, is joining us and we wanna welcome her. You'll have to forgive me because I'm manning the controls and asking the questions this morning. Uh, Lori, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we've got a lot of news, of course, uh, You know, just this last few weeks uh, when it comes to contracts. Let's start out yeah. with uh, the news about uh, Colleen Hanabusa. Um, just let's back up a little bit, if you will. Tell us about how this position came to be, what your role in it, it is, um, okay. and, and just where we, where we are with that. Okay, yes, yeah, sure. That, this was a board initiative um, started back in, I think, the September, October timeframe. The board did vote on this that they felt they needed a, a liaison to deal with the federal, state, and um, county issues. Three big issues that they wanted addressed was their voting and quorum issue. Right now they need eight out of nine to vote for anything to pass, and also the possibility of extending the GETTAT. So this was something the board voted on last year. In March of this year, they also voted again to move funds from one line item to another from legal services to consultant services. And we did put out a procurement for this um, following their wishes. And Colleen Hanabusa was the only candidate that put in a proposal. Um, I know I'm, I'm getting beat up that I could have stopped it. I didn't have to do the procurement because I am the procurement authority. The heart board does not have that. It lies with me directly. So I did, I could have stopped it and told the board that, no, I'm not going to do this, but I just didn't think it was prudent. Um, that this was something that they felt strongly about that they needed. And so I went ahead and, and did the procurement. Colleen, um, before I could even execute the contract, mayor called me yesterday and said, you know, Glenn Nohara has just put in his letter of resignation and um, he actually recommended that Colleen Hanabusa replace him because he actually replaced her um, a while back. And um, so Mayor called me and he said he's going to take Glenn up on his recommendation, let me know that they're going to announce it. So I'm very pleased, very pleased with having her on board, um, her expertise, her experience. She's going to bring a wealth of knowledge to the board, and I, I can't wait um, to work with her. We've already exchanged some emails eat with each other, and I'm very excited to work with her in that capacity. And what happens to that position now? Uh, she was, as you noted, the only person who applied for the job. So, is that it? You know, is that request still out there, or does that position just go away? So the. It's actually an, a procurement. So if we needed to do it, I would have to redo another procurement. But um, Chair Martin um, announced in council yesterday that we will not be going out with a new procurement. So at this point, it is considered closed. Interesting. Um, what do you think that she'll bring to this project? You know, why do you think that she's uniquely qualified? You know, why did you sign off in, on her specifically? And what do you think that she'll bring to the project? So she has a lot of experience with Hart itself. She was um, the board member and board chair. She does have experience working with the, the state legislature. I believe she is the main author of Act One. 
that added the four representatives from the state and extended the GETTAT. So if anyone understands the quorum and the voting issues, it would be her. So if she could help us in this different capacity, I think she could, she'd be the one to pull it off. And, you know, extending the GETTAT, it's gonna be very controversial. And I'm hoping with her experience working in the ledge and understanding what is needed that she can help us over there too. Well, let's talk about the money because last time you were on here, you did make some news telling us about these <laughs> major cost overruns. Um, where do we stand now on the financials of this project? Is it really $12.4 billion or do you think it could be higher? Oh, I hope it's not higher. I actually hope it's less. Our estimate was very conservative. Um, as I mentioned, we tried to have every risk, every contingency in there because I don't wanna be out here again saying, oh, sorry, you know what, it really wasn't 12, it's 13 or it's 14. Heart has consistently done that and I wanna do that. This is, it's 12 billion, which, which includes about a billion in um, interest uh, expenses, but hopefully we can come in under that budgeted amount and come in lower or sooner than the 2031 expected deadline or, or completion, completion time. So, there's not much of an update as far as the changing in numbers, um, but that $3.5 billion gap, I mentioned earlier, there's five things, five initiatives that Hart is doing to try and close that gap. The first one, which was also very public, was the streamlining of our, our own internal Hart um, workforce and also our, our consultants. So we're estimating about 10 to $30 million in savings by, by that first initiative. The other thing is to find a more um, expedient and, and um, economical way down the Dillingham corridor. So we, we've been talking about the Malka shift. So instead of coming down the center of Dillingham, pushing it off to the Malka side, we're anticipating about a $200 million savings with that. Um, the third thing is removing risk. When the P3 was out there, there's a lot of risk built into their bids because they didn't know when they could actually get access to the area. So for example, the utility relocation contract that we canceled, that was a time and materials contract. And the reason Hart did that was because the designs weren't done. So if we can get the 100% designs done, the permits received from the city, before we go out for procurement, that eliminates a huge risk. So hopefully the bids that come in from the contractors is reduced. And then the fourth initiative is hopefully with the GETTAT, you know, people will increase than what we anticipated, but people getting vaccinated, tourism coming back, people getting back to work. We're hoping what we estimated what, what the income would be from GETTAT would be greater. And the first quarter it has been. So we're, we're hoping we can close that gap a little bit more than what we anticipated with the GETTAT. And then finally, any new monies that we could possibly get, um, whether it's from the feds or even private. So we did receive the 70 million from our congressional leaders uh, led by um, Senator Schatz. That was such a blessing. We did put in for a request for 850 million with Biden's new, um, um, new, new initiatives. Uh, it's a long shot. I doubt we're gonna get it, but if you don't ask, you're not gonna get. So. We're trying any which way to close that, that $3.5 billion funding gap. 
Well, we've had Senator Schatz and Senator Hirono on this program, and they both have said that, you know, the federal government is not going to come through to the tune of billions of dollars. Even, Absolutely. you know, the, the, the money that you're talking about getting from the Biden infrastructure plan is certainly would be a huge boon, but it would not make up the, the difference. So absolutely. where do you think that money will ultimately come from? Oh, and that's absolutely fair. I, I, I hope we're not projecting the image that we're just sitting back and hopefully the whether it's the federal the state or the city is going to give us more money and bail us out. That's not what we're asking for. Um, we, like I mentioned er just earlier, the five initiatives, what we're trying to do is close that gap. We think with some of the things that we're talking about, we've already closed 20 to 25% of that. I don't have a good answer where the remaining 75% is going to come from, but we just need to keep looking and finding better ways to do things and close that gap. But I do not expect someone to just write me a $3 billion check and, and bail us out. That would be nice. Uh, <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> one of the other ways uh, that you could limit cost in some people's view is to actually chop those last four miles off the project and the route earlier. Um, there are obvious problems with that, given that the FTA signed off on one project. And if you did it the other way, you would uh, you know, not be fulfilling uh, the city's end of the agreement. What are your, you know, we, um, we've heard Joe Uno just speaking, you know, he's a heart board member for our audience who might not be familiar. Um, he and others have said that, you know, ending the route early might be the best uh, way to do this. What are your thoughts on that? What does completion actually look like? Um, well, Middle Street is not going to work. There's um, good technical reasons why I had to learn this from Director Morton at DTS, but you can't turn left when the buses are heading east. They can't turn left into the middle street um, station over there. You would think inherently that's a good place because there's a big, huge bus depot there, but they can't get in there. But even so, even if they get into middle street, somehow we transfer the passengers from the rail to the bus just to get stuck in traffic right there in Dillingham. And of course you're missing the people all along the D Dillingham corridor. Right? You need to hit those people, whether there's someplace shorter than Ala Moana. I, I'm not in agreement with that. Um, I think we need to. Ala Moana is, you know, people are thinking that Ala Moana, people are going there just to shop. No, that's not the point. Ala Moana is the transportation hub of the island. According to DTS, that's where the main transfer station is, that's where the ridership is of people now getting into buses and going to other parts of um, town. So we need to eventually get to Ala Moana. I understand the funding gap. And so maybe there is a phasing issue that we need to um, tackle right now because we don't have the funding, but Middle Street is not it. Maybe first phase, we stop somewhere shorter and then we finish off all the way to eventually UH. Hmm. And and on that phasing question, the last time you were on here, you said that the the sort of the plan was to deliver up to the stadium by the end of this year. Is that still looking possible? So the goal, my goal is still to hand that over to um, the city, Department of Transportation. The issue is um, what I mentioned at council yesterday. There's two major issues that are holding that up. One is Hitachi has to do testing and certification before we can even think of transferring it over to DTS. Once all the testing and certification is done, then you need to go into a 90 day trial running period. So Hitachi still has about, um, about 250 testing that needs to be completed. 
They've already done another 250. They're projecting maybe about the August timeframe to get that done. So from August, and then you have to go into the 90-day trial run. That's one major issue. The other issue is what I have been publicly stating is the wheel rail interface. I know the, the paper made it like it was a new issue. It's not. There's four issues with those frogs that are brought up um, in about February, March timeframe. And major one, major of the four issues of the frog is the wheel rail interface, where I mentioned that the wheels are about a half inch smaller than the rail. There's two obvious solutions. One is to replace the frogs, which is very time consuming and expensive or replace the wheels. So we're getting all of the smart people from Hart and our consultants and Hitachi in the same room to see what is the most viable solution. It seems to be pointing to the wheels, but we need to work closely with Hitachi as a partner on that. So I know that, um, and, and just for our viewers who might not know this or who might not be familiar with this issue, basically it's that the wheels are the wrong size for the rails. And so what happens when the train actually runs down that track? Does it just not move at all? And, and if you were to swap out the wheels, um, there were some issues about the weights of the vehicles themselves. Can you, can you get into a little of that? And, and I, I don't want to, I want to not characterize it as the wrong size. It fits, it fits the rails, but when it does, when it goes over the crossings, that's where there's some concern. Um, so, the, 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 I'm sorry, what was the question? No, no, so, let, well, let's, let's dive into that first. So the wheel, it's just so that people understand, because for, even though um, this issue has existed perhaps since February and even before then, it's new to a lot of our it's audience before, and it's certainly um, relatively new to me. So uh, when those wheels cross over the frogs, they're essentially too big or too small. And what actually happens? Does the train just stop? Does it have to slow down? <laughs> Can it still function? Like what, 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 what is the problem at, at the moment? Yes, it can still function. Actually, right now, Hitachi is running the um, the trains across the frogs right now. They have actually slowed it down. Um, before this, this issue was discovered, they actually discovered it late last year. Before it was discovered, they were running about 55 miles per hour over the frogs. And there was some um, irregularities, wear and tear on the tracks. And that's what brought this to light. And so right now they're addressing it by running slower through the frogs, but that's not going to work for when we're in operation for our commuters, because, you know, there's an expectation that there's going to be a train every four to five minutes at the station. But if they have to slow down every time they come across a frog, we're not going to meet that. So we really do need to fix this before we can hand this over to DTS. And, and as I mentioned, Hitachi is our partner in this and they're, they're working very closely with us. And who's going to pay for that? Because presumably that would add to the $12.4 billion. Correct. Correct. So if you look at the contract, the wheel rail interface, um, hard stance is that it's it's on Hitachi, but we are working with them. We're going to we want to find a technical solution in the most inexpensive way. And then we'll work out the commercial part of that afterwards with them. So if this is actually resolved, do you think that that delivery to the city of Aloha Stadium is still plausible by the end of the year? Or does because of these issues, is that just not going to happen? If the wheels are replaced, we think it's plausible that it can be still delivered to the city by the end of this year. But if it's the tracks that need to be replaced, we don't think we can hand it over to the city by the end of this year. And how much later would that be? Do you, do you have an estimate as to how long that would take? 
Yes, so estimates from our engineers is that to replace the frogs, it takes about one year to manufacture them and then ship them here to us. And then, of course, we need to do the construction to tear out what's been installed and put it in. So at least a year if it's the tracks. And what does that do to the project overall? Do the 2031 then get pushed to 2032 or does that just get integrated into the time? Yes, not at all. So not at all. So there's really no contractual um, obligation with the FTA uh, to open up, to do the interim opening to the stadium. There's, there's no requirement that we do that. And it has no bearing on what is happening on the east side heading to Ala Moana. So even if this is delayed by several years, has no impact on the 2031 um, date. I know that uh, in our previous conversation, you had said that it would be your hope that they would actually start running and that people would actually start to get to ride it to the stadium. Nalee yes. Davis has a question here um, and she says, why even go to the stadium if we're not going to have the stadium? So, you know, <laughs> there is this feeling that even if you are able to figure out this wheel and track issue, that you're essentially opening the train with a route to something that, you know, is going to be at best under construction. So what do you say to Nalay and other people yeah. who feel like it's kind of a waste to, to open it that far to sure. start? Sure. So that's, that's fair. And actually, at the risk of putting words in mayor's mouth, I think he feels the same way. You know, why are we going to open up to, to just the stadium? So there's several reasons why. Um, one, if we could get people excited about rail. I was excited when I got to go onto the train for the first time. It really, what has been accomplished so far, it's, it, it is incredible. I know we have such a bad reputation and rightfully so. People have a right to be upset at heart. But when you get on that train, it really is incredible um, what, what has been done. And so maybe just to get the excitement of the public. But also, we're working with Pearl Harbor. There's a lot of um, employees that work at Pearl Harbor, and they're willing to do a shuttle um, from that Pearl Harbor, from that, that air, um, sorry, stadium station to get their employees to Pearl Harbor. So... And the final thing, there's a commercial issue. If Hitachi is ready to go and we don't open up, there's we're, we're still going to have to pay them. And, and it's about $130,000 a day. And on top of that, they've trained their employees. They've certified their employees. Um, DTS has trained and certified their employees. The system is, is going to be um, certified. You cannot have this kind of um, asset just sitting idle. It has to run or it's going to deteriorate. So... If you don't run it, all the safety, all the certification and testing will have to be redone. So there's there's several reasons why once if we're ready to go, we hand it over to the city. There's some good reasons why it should run. But ultimately, that's DTS and mayor's call if they want to run it. You know, the pandemic has brought a lot of changes into our lives. One of them is remote work. Um, Panos Prevederos, who I'm sure you're familiar with, is a yes. pretty vocal critic of this project. Um, he has said that ridership is not going to be at the levels that were projected when this project initially started. What kind of projections do you have for ridership? Um, and, and do you think, you know, like his, his assessment, not to put words in his mouth, but my understanding of his assessment is basically we're not going to have the interest and the buy-in from the public that we thought we would when this first launched. And that's fair. I did watch, um, I did watch his interview. We do have our ridership projections and they has decreased from when we first started to after the pandemic, but it's still high. And I disagree that everyone will be telecommuting from now on. I mean, Hart, we brought back all of our employees. 
The city is bringing back all of their employees. Um, government, I'm sure, will all bring back all of their employees. I'm not sure about private sector, but there are some consultants that feel it's not efficient to telecommute. So they're going to be bringing back all of their employees also. Um, what I'm understanding is any major rail infrastructure project across the nation, there's a lot of naysayers and saying it's not going to work. Nobody's going to ride. But when you see what happens, the transformation for those communities, those cities surrounding it, and even the ridership, maybe at first it's not going to be high. So I'm not discounting what um, he is saying, but and it might not be high at first. But I think as people start getting accommodating and accommodated to the rail and how good it is, I think we will see an increase. The mayor said yesterday in his news conference with Colleen Hanabusa that he is going to be speaking with the FTA in the next few weeks. Are you going to be part of that meeting? And, and what are you hoping to get out of that conversation? What are you asked to present at that conversation? And, you know, is that basically a plea for money? Is it an update as to what's happened in Hawaii? Just if you can give us any insight on what you're expecting from that meeting. Sure, sure. So mayor has been pretty public about that. Well, we need to retake really a look at, at how we are, where we are, be realistic on what the funds we have and how far we can get. So Hart is tasked with looking at different scenarios and presenting it to him and seeing how far can we get with the money that we have. And Hart does have to re refresh its recovery plan and within that recovery plan, a financial update. And we are due to present that to the FTA about August, September timeframe so that they can give us their feedback and hopefully get it approved by the end of this year. I don't think that recovery plan will be done by the time we go up to fly with them, but the FTA needs to know we are committed. We're committed all the way to Ala Moana. The mayor is committed. How do we get there? Whether it's phasing, we need to find a viable way and we need to show FTA, we know what we're doing. We have a plan, here's our plan. We do need to show them that we know what we're doing in order for them to release the remaining of the funds. The two things that they wanted was the recovery plan update and also the city center guideway station contract um, let out. We're not going to be able to do that by 2022, but maybe 2023 we can do that. So that's the plan when we go up there to meet with them. Let's talk about that phasing. So the first phase, obviously, uh, is the is 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 what we were just talking about is the stadium. Um, would you then is the next phase all the way to Ala Moana, or can you basically, you know, this is just sort of a logistical question. Can you open it station by station? What are sort of the next the next benchmarks, if you will, or right, location? right. So that that's fair. Um, no, logistically, we cannot do station by station when you're constructing or. Um, you, let me take that back. You can build the guideway um, all the way, but you when and then you can do the stations at later times. But when you do the stations at later time, you do increase costs. Right now, the stations cost about fifty to seventy-five million dollars each. So if we eliminate some of the interim stations, there's eight remaining to be constructed. You can sit, shave off that amount of money. The big money is in the guideway itself. It's about $150 million per mile. Um, so when you're talking about phasing, maybe we won't be able to get all the way to Alamana in this next phase. Maybe it's shorter, but we have to try and work out the numbers and the scenarios and present it to the mayor. 
You know, I'm looking in the comments and there's actually quite a few that are saying that you're the right person for the job and that you're doing, you know, you're doing good with what you've been given. Um, there's also people on the other side, like Lynn, who says that this is a waste of taxpayer mm -hmm. money. The system is a failure. How do you turn around public perception for this project? Because at this point, uh, you know, when you say things, oh, sorry, when you say things like, uh, you know, they, they don't match up and, and now we, we could add a year to add to changing yes. the frogs and, and, you know, this is costing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a day with Hitachi already having folks on the ground. I mean, it, it is enough to sort of shake your head and, and, and just say like, this is just too much. So, so how do you turn that public perception around? That's fair. That's fair. And people have a right to be angry with heart. Um, I think our reputation over the years, we haven't been open honest and transparent. And so I'm trying to change Hart's image by being just that, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. I'm going to say it like it is. As soon as we found out, as soon as I found out about the frogs, I, I came very public about it, but we're going to find a solution. There's a solution to every problem and we're going to find it. And, and we're going to find it the most prudent way possible. When I'm talking to my staff, I said, all of your decision-making, it has to be what's in the best interest of the public. And um, I'm hoping that the public can give us a chance, um, give us time to find solutions to the big problems that we're uncovering. I, I don't expect to, you know, gain, gain um, approval immediately. I know not just myself, but our entire team, we have to prove ourselves that um, we're trying to do our best with what we've been dealt with, but just give us time, have patience. We'll find a solution. Our time is wrapping up. The last time we were you were on here, uh, you did say that you would like the interim position to be moved to permanent. Uh, just tell us a little bit about what it's been like to be in this role, and is this something <laughs> that you do still want to be permanent? We know that um, your contract is for a year that began in January. So where where does that sort of stand? And on a personal level, is this something that you want to see through? Oh yes, yes. So on a personal level, yes, I do love challenges. And I do want to make a, a difference for the public, for the taxpayers. Um, it is a stressful job. I, I don't think a day goes by where heart is not in the media and, and most of it is negative. So it is stressful, um, but I am up for the challenge. My contract is only for one year. It terminates at the end of this year. Um, the board has, in, in my contract, the board has to evaluate me every quarter. So I've already done the first quarter, January through March. Um, they did the evaluation on me in April. And the, I think the point of that was if I'm going off course, they can help guide me back to, to make sure I stay on course. I, I don't know what the intentions are, um, whether they're going to keep me or not, but I'm thinking by the June, July timeframe, they, they might have to already make a decision because if I'm not the person, they're going to have to probably hire a headhunter to do a national search. Um, so maybe if anything, if they need more time to find someone to replace me, maybe they'll extend my contract for a few months just to hold down the fort until that new person can come in. Well, we appreciate you being on here. We appreciate your transparency and thank you for spending so much of your morning with us. We know that you are incredibly busy uh, taking care of this project. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Aloha. Well, there you have it. So great to hear from Lori Kahikina, the interim CEO of Heart. As she did say, uh, Heart is in the news almost daily, and a lot of the the 
you know, the press, at least in the last week, has been relatively negative, focusing uh, a lot on that contract from Cole, with Colleen Hanabusa, now, of course, uh, announced yesterday by the mayor that he has appointed her to an unpaid position on the Hart board that begins uh, this summer. And so we're going to go straight to the source on that. This Friday, Colleen Hanabusa will be joining us here live. Ryan will be back uh, fresh off the trolley from the UH men's volleyball team, the uh, national champions. We congratulate the team there. So please do join us. We know that the audience that is tuned in this morning is very keyed in on rail and very interested in this project. So bring your questions for Colleen Hanabusa. We'll see you right back here on Friday at 1030. I'm Yenji Denise. Thanks so much for being here. Aloha. <laughs>